Matt. We're live. And we're hanging out. I'm Alan. And I'm Bear. If you like to hear today, you can support us on Patreon. You can find us on Facebook, hanging out podcast, gmail.com. I just got a neat email. I uh, finished up my illustrations and I sent, I think it was, so I've sent the first three a while back, right? They were little creatures. And um, I got, you know, it was midway through. I was just letting him know I'm not disappearing for a month. And he sent back, these look great. You know, that's a solid, solid response. And then I nice. sent him the last four today. And turning in a job is always the worst part of doing the job, the commission, the painting. Right. Because you don't know what they're going to say. Um, I can tell a story later. But because uh, you're like, okay, here come the changes. Here, here come the things I got wrong. Here come blah, blah, blah. Right. And really the best thing anyone can say is thanks and have a good day. But like, anyway, so I get the email back and it says... Uh, these look great! Exclamation point. And that's it. And it's like, oh, that's all it said. Really made my day. <laughs> Fantastic. That <laughs> really made me happy today. You did a great job. <laughs> these look great. You're right about turning in work. When I turned in that portrait, it's so nerve wracking, especially in person. Oh yeah, I'd never want to turn anything in in person anymore. Gosh, you're just sitting there trying to judge their response and. Even then, most people are just going to be nice about it anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The well, I've probably talked about this. I did that portrait of three kids back in college, and turn you know things just went horribly south with all that. I didn't really know how to paint. I thought I did. I turned it into this. Went to this people's house and played the three portraits out and pulled the covers off them. And the wife <laughs> was sitting there looking at them, and you know she's the mom, and she's like these are incredible and i love them and they're going right over my fireplace oh and the husband is the husband looks at them for like five seconds and then just gives me this look and we both have this understanding that we both know i've done something terrible and you have to pay <laughs> me for them <laughs> you've butchered these images i was so sorry <laughs> it happens they still paid you yeah Remember yeah. when you did that Conan family portrait? Oh, yeah. I never got paid for I got paid half for that one. Really? I never see the other half of that one. Huh. Yeah. We're got the unique challenge of copying the last portrait I did. I have to paint it exactly the same, same size. You know what you should do is... Um, totally different. And then see if they ever call you on it. Just paint a completely different person. <laughs> so, here you go. <laughs> or like just change the color of, well, it's he's wearing sports clothes. But like change the color of the background completely and just see if anyone even cares. That's going to be tough. That's going to, I feel like that's going to be a test. That's a good, I feel like that's a good uh, emotion to have after you turn into work is someone saying, can I have this again? That's like somebody eating a cheeseburger and being like, I would like another. Right. I, I guess it went well. It's for another family member, but he just said exactly the same. Did you tell him that that was, that that's uh, very difficult? <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> that's but... more difficult than doing it the first time. 
I accepted the challenge, and I want to do it. Now I've got the process down, and this will be a true test of uh, how I've been coming along, really. I still say you should print out a very, like, 30% ghosted back version, a heavily ghosted back version, mount it to something, and then use that as, as your drawing. Uh, that's a pretty good idea, but... The, the original painting. I'm just going to go for it. I love my projector technique. Just get the lines down, and it goes quick once I block it in. Yeah, yeah, you can't help falling out back on process. I timed myself with my new gradient map method of uh, establishing. I've, I've totally given up using it as, like, a finishing tool, right. but it's, like, an underpainting tool. I, so I timed myself. If I have the, the thumbnail or the pose already done, right, the pose is or figured out. The pose is already figured out. And I've already got the reference. I can go from blank canvas to pretty much fully rendered underpainting in like an hour. Wow. It is, I, I can't emphasize it enough. It is the fastest that I have ever been able to accomplish. I, most of my gradient maps, if I were working concept at my gradient map and then going over it with a hard light stage, like I. I could actually be a concept artist. I could easily knock 10 to 20 figures out in a day. <laughs> Just do it already. Get your concept portfolio going. Oh, one thing. So I've decided, like, my next project I want to do personally is I've done, oof, man, I did 25 character portraits for Alex, and now I've done probably around, I forget how many since I've been here here in Washington or in the last year. But what I want to do is take my favorites, put them onto another image, or not image, but put them onto a fresh canvas uh, in Photoshop and paint a background in for for them. So it's, so it's still going to be the same figure, except he'll be actually in a scene now. I like that. And that'll, be, just, that'll be tough for some of them. Oh, I won't choose the ones that are super tough, but the ones I have a definite vision for. It's like, oh, this like this would make a really great painting. So I would just do it. Yeah, that's going to be interesting because I, I usually don't ever think of taking a character and then painting something around it. You usually have the whole scene, you know, the whole composition already mapped out. Yeah, it's going to be tough because the composition is so silhouetted. I mean, we'll see how it goes. Maybe it won't. I was really inspired by seeing some of Carla Ortiz's art for Black Panther. Like she's done some cool stuff, just simple brush strokes in the background that really make it. And I don't know, I feel like I could, some of mine that are my favorites that don't get a lot of attention, it's like, this can be my way of bringing those to fruition. I, I just think it would be fun to revisit some of them. I think so. It'll bring, it'll bring a little life to those characters. I always hate the white background character portraits. Yeah, but that's what they need for the books. You gotta have. I, I hate the things. books. Gotta copy paste. You love the books. Everyone loves the books. Gosh, besides those portraits, I'm working on jazz portraits digitally. That's my big personal project. And that's when Bear started uh, busking around the southeast. Busking, it is. I wish I was a jazz musician. I'm working on Coltrane right now, but. I got two personal projects I want to work through. Conceptually, I think this is just me exploring jazz because I love jazz, and then 
The second set is a series of portraits of people in cars. That's a weird one, but... Portraits of people in cars. Uh, what's his name? Did one of those recently. And, of course, if I say that, no one... I have no idea. The guy that does... Good old what's his name. I can't even read it. So, he does the smiling cartoonish people. That's a lot of people. You have no clue who I'm talking about. John Cornella. John Cornella. Oh, yeah. I know that guy. Yeah, I like that. I like that guy. He did one of girls, girls <laughs> sitting on top of cars. I like that one. Well, I think, you know, we can't talk about a lot of our process on here because we can't show it, but <clears throat> I, I want to say the car thing for me is I... I'm starting that idea from a high school experience and my whole life experience. These, I have all these memories in cars, you know, cruising around in high school or on dates with girls, just have nowhere to go, sitting in a car. And then even now, all the traveling we do. So it's something I'm trying to take, you know, after listening to Dave and Donato, trying to take those personal pieces and apply them to what I want to put out visually. There is no better frame for for some of the things that are... There's something that driving through or by something in a car, if it's sunny or cloudy or whatever, out. I don't know. There's no better projector than that car window for some reason. Like, there's a definite feeling about that cruising along. But if you were to stop the car and get out, it would be a totally different feeling and sometimes worse. Sometimes right, works. you have this protected view of everything. <clears throat> I don't even know if it's project protected. I mean, like maybe more. I would say more expansive, actually. See that I like that you say that because with these works, I want to get that fish eye view of the interior of the car mm -hmm. and capture the windows. You know, like you're saying, portraits of the windows on the outside capturing what's going on. Yeah, I think that. Uh, that's a great idea. Now, I think cars especially are a good medium for that. Because, I don't know. Modules like that feel like you can go anywhere. You're in a car. I think it's going to produce some good line work, and I want to put out the PSDs of whatever lines I make from that and these portraits uh -huh. I'm doing. Okay. You should... Uh, you shouldn't do anything. I don't know. I didn't have an idea. That's all no. I did. I'm, you know, with the job, we've talked about this. I finally have time to sit back and breathe, and now I'm actually acting on the ideas. Yeah, I feel like I spent so long asking that question at the beginning of the show, like, what do I want to do? What do I want to paint? And, like, now that publishing is kicking back into gear, it's like every fucking every day somebody's emailing me and wants to work and that's great that's great that's a great thing i'm not complaining but having things that i need to be doing give me context for what i want to be doing right and i don't <clears> even <throat> have to ask the question anymore it just comes it just because you like like what do you do after eight hours of work that's really what you want to be doing you know I'm glad we can come back to this question of what do you want to paint, and now we have a more natural feel of it after devoting it's some like, time. It's almost like uh, that question 
Oh, or, or in school. Well, I'm just trying to find my style, you know? You heard that a thousand times in school. But in reality, you never find your style. You just paint long enough and your style starts to show itself. If you try, you're just nothing. And well, it turned out it was the same thing with figuring out what you wanted to paint. It's like, don't worry about it. Just paint what you want is actually the, the answer. This is very true. And all of the great artists that we look up to, they, they copied whoever was above them at the time and then got down the fundamentals and worked and worked and worked until eventually they fell into, oh, this is what I'm interested in. And, oh, and this is how my brush stroke is now, I guess. So that's how it is. This right. I think it's because there's this distant piece. Like, if you're really into Da Vinci, it's because there's a piece of a hole there. There's a piece of the puzzle that's telling you, okay, maybe you like the way he does drapery. And that will eventually come into your style, but it's only a small part of it. The Hanging Out podcast is just a testament to work hard, damn it. That's true. I've, yeah, I've, literally everyone we've interviewed just keeps telling us that. Do you have any advice? Yeah, just don't worry and work a lot. Well, I think especially with, say, Photoshop and illustration, you have all these great tools and you can make the images much quicker. But even there, if you don't have that base ability of line work and painting and that base understanding of the actual program, you're not going to, nothing's going to happen. You got to put in the time to master it first. Yeah. Because I was someone who I was painting decently and then hopped into Photoshop and said, yeah, I got this. And I struggled for months and months and months because I never took the time to take the baby steps first. I wanted to do go, go all out from the start. Yeah, I think that's everyone's thing, though. Like, you never you never sit down to a new medium or a new idea and think, let me just take some baby steps. You know, I when you get, in the, so. when you get in the car, you don't want to just go to the end of the driveway. <laughs> I think a lot of people know how to learn. You know, they they had a good education at some point or had good teachers or they picked up on good ways to learn and good learning habits and... Uh, I think I skipped over some. Yeah, I think everyone skips over some. Most most of the beginning of anything is doubling back and catching what you missed. It's all about, you know, just having perfect hindsight, really. Yeah, if only we had perfect hindsight and had already lived our lives, we would be great painters. We were talking about websites before this. How is your website doing? I haven't even checked my Squarespace since I got a purchase. I only look website, at it when I get emails. My website, yeah, I could be better about looking at analytics. My website hasn't, I've, I don't know if it's conscious, but I've made a commitment to not get into the thick of the analytics and the website for a while. It did just come up for renewal, so I dropped a, a cool $200 to renew it. Ooh, which, me too. Uh, I didn't necessarily enjoy, but needed to happen. Now I've I've not in the thick of analysis, but because uh, I think that's what got me into some some ready situations of thinking about those things rather than experiencing them. Definitely, it has definitely made its own. I could say okay, I have I've only sold one print, and then think 
okay, well, this isn't paying for itself. But in reality, I've gotten a lot of work by having a professional website to show to people. And even if like my portfolio, I think even if my portfolio were lacking, the quality of my website would be like, oh, this guy is serious. Like this is a guy that's going to wake up in the morning and have a schedule and work, you know? He's not just lazing around. It's your it's your face to the world. Yeah, your website is your Facebook page for your business. And it's unfortunate. Um, you know, I work for a nonprofit and we heavily rely on Facebook and Instagram and our website. And you have to use all those platforms. And if it doesn't look professional, if it looks like a part-timer is doing it, and just making graphics in Microsoft Word, then you're not going to get any attention. Yeah, I hate to say that. I have I have seen websites that look like they're from the 90s and immediately left them several times. <laughs> well, it's the most important factor. Every study you look at, they say that uh, that's the most important thing when someone lands on your website. Does it look professional? Does it work? If not, they leave instantly. Yeah, if your web, if your website, the way your website looks, the way it's spaced, if it is not to the standards of every other website, you need to suck it up and get hire someone who knows what they're doing. Right, or at least take the time to go through some Squarespace documentation and. Mm -hmm. But go look at what I would say is go look at like, make a list of like 10 to 20 different artists and businesses whose websites you frequent and enjoy. Even if they're bad, like write down what's bad about them, write down what's good about them. Think about the spacing on the sides, the kind of font that they're using, how legible it is and why. Look at magazines who, who all they ever do is lay out on a page. Um, Actually, I would heavily suggest people subscribe to mag one magazine, if at least one yeah. magazine. If you're looking, if you're going to own your own website, look into one magazine, because there's a lot of answers that that, that they're giving to questions you haven't asked yet. Like just <laughs> soak soak up that form of one page layout. And, right. Uh, yeah. Getting all the information and visuals. Yeah, just on go. There. Get, yeah, you didn't start to paint. You didn't learn to paint by sitting in a closed room with no windows and just some paint and just creating things like, okay, you had to go get a model to learn how to draw people and then learn some anatomy and then look at actual colors and then go figure out how to mix paint. And you didn't do any of this yourself. You got taught it by looking around and learning things. Like why do people think they can jump into websites and have it even a halfway decent one in a vacuum? <laughs> it's you very know? true. I do it at work all the time. I'll download other people's designs and I'll uh, reverse engineer them, I guess, and see how they did it, how it's all put together, and then go from there. Yeah, that's that's the best way to do it. Just be be aware of things. <laughs> well, increasingly, as I watch the One Fantastic Week group grow and other communities on there, it's and all these illustrators that want to have their kickstarters and they want to make money on their own and they want to be that illustrator i don't see a lot of people focusing on the professionalism side of it and 
it's unfortunate, but it's the most important part if you try to make money on your own. I was probably like that a year ago, but the more that I've been behind the doors of someone, I'll tell you what I really saw when I went to the last convention and, and what really hits me as I work on Todd uh, Lockwood's stuff is if you were too close to what, okay, here's a question for you. Do you think you do better work for high hopes than you do for yourself? Because the answer is probably yes. Yeah, definitely. Definitely, because you're too close to your own art and you just can't market it the same way that you can market other things. You need to be able to separate yourself, view it as a product, view it as an image that can be handled professionally. That's something I saw time and time again at conventions when I would walk up and talk to people and see also how they were handling talking to other people is the 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 people who felt confident in the work as a product for what it was there for had a very decent layout and an idea and they were objectively honest about their best work and pieces. They had nice button down clothes on sometimes or polos or whatever, nice hair, um, handling themselves in a very upright and outward manner, definitely. And then you would have people who are like, I'm this nice, weird secluded artist i'm gonna be really awkward when you come up and talk to me or i'm gonna just sit here and draw and it's like you know it's not really about you you definitely do this thing where you look like you don't want to be approached but at the same time what you're doing is saying like if if this is if you're your head's down you're drawing or you're sitting or you're looking frumpy or you're trying to be shy it's like if, if you don't what you're saying is is i don't care about myself and you shouldn't either true dark but true yeah well at the and, end of the day it's like you can be the artist you can be the weird artist have all of the emotional quirks in your artwork and it's all personal but that magic card is a magic card at the end of the day and you did it for a price and it was business yeah there's definitely the artistic version of you and some people Donato is a really good example. Donato takes on the attitude of a master craftsman. And he should be because he's done this for so long. And he embodies what it means to be his artist, what his art means to him. But at the same time, if you walk up and you're looking at prints, he's going to come over there and he's going to sell you. There's this thing, uh, I don't remember if I heard it off 1FW or somebody else, but the reason Donato has that walkthrough is so that he can come up he can meet you halfway and like block you in Gosh. there so that I you have to talk to him. Up. And like, he's not even acting like he's trying to sell something, but he's keeping you in that area. And uh, I don't know. He, he definitely unlocked an in-between. That's very nice. Well, I think more and more we're losing the art of being a professional. And I'm, I'm even saying that for being in my working environment where I'm in an administrative setting and some of the people I meet, business people, there's no sense of professionalism and it's off-putting one and it doesn't help you or your company. And if you're an artist, it doesn't help your art. It is one of the most off-putting things is a lack of professionalism. Like, oh God. It, the way that you handle yourself to your peers is, I, I don't want to go back to the 50s here, but of, of like, this is how you should hold your glass, but have some pride, you know? I've talked to people who who want their portfolios reviewed 
and they've been wearing this like sweatshirt they've been wearing for 10 days or have never washed and it smells terrible and their hair is all greasy and you're like like again i'm not trying to make any comment on somebody's lifestyle i can't control their lifestyle but you know don't don't slouch down you can control what you do beforehand don't let your breath smell like beer um this is basic stuff i can't control how you smell maybe that's your thing or the kind of clothes that you buy. Well, you know, it's just as you as you start to find more work as an illustrator, you're eventually going to meet people that don't really care about art, but they have the money. And you just got to play the role, which is fine. You're not changing who you are. You're just filling in what's happening there. <laughs> I guess just a for instance is I have this rule about not eating at a booth. And yeah, I know we're talking about websites and stuff, but the idea is, you know, if somebody, I'm, I'm within about a foot of my art at any given time, and I don't want, I don't want anyone to see me eat near my art because my art's not about food. I mean, that's really on a subconscious level there, but, <laughs> but like if, if I'm gonna be eating while I'm talking to you, that's just not cool. Definitely. No one wants to smell my food while they're looking at my art. That's not what they're there for. <laughs> anyway, no, and, and it's the same thing with websites. Like, if you just are throwing fonts around, didn't take the time to look and figure out what kerning was, then, uh, you know, you're, you're, right. you're filming a movie for theaters on your, your home camera. That's what you're mm -hmm. doing. Maybe we're being sticklers, but I'm for excellence out of everybody. If you're not going to give yourself excellence, who the hell is going to give you anything? It's the only way forward. We're being sticklers. If you, be a stickler. Be a stickler about yourself. This, I'm, You know what? I'm, we're passionate about it because we've both seen or been in situations where people turned us off, and there's no reason for that. There's no reason whatsoever for people to be like that or, or to, to have anything that turns people off. And, yeah, like maybe... Maybe we're jerks listening to our reptile minds about first impressions, but you know, if you've only got 10 seconds, first impressions matter, especially if you're trying to convey something. Be the person that your art should be conveying. Like, you, you have to be one of the same. Well, first impressions do matter, and that's not our fault for saying it, but it's society's fault for making it happen. Um, but even from personal experience, I've I can tell you that acting professional and carrying yourself professionally takes you a lot farther because I've been on both sides of the coin. I can say that I feel like you have probably single-handedly opened doors <laughs> just for your charm. You in person, that the the you in person are just such a uh, a calm figure. Like, no one has ever felt uncomfortable in your presence. <laughs> I, calm, I calm people down. So you're, a calm, you're a calm person. So. <laughs> Is that where that is? I think we were just venting. No, have a good website. That's where we're sticking with that. What else, what else is on the agenda? Um, having good websites. You really can't stress that enough. Oh, sorry. The actual question was, how is my website doing?
There you go. Yeah, I've I've definitely gotten a few jobs from that. It's um something I'm very appreciative for, and so I paid the subscription price. Do you think so? What is your main avenue for getting commissions now? Someone told me this at a convention the other day. Um or at the Emerald City Convention. They told me I'm extremely blunt, and I've never thought of myself as blunt because I like to be polite and I like to I often am nervous and anxious about how I affect people. Alan, you're extremely blunt. Thank you. <laughs> but I forgot that something that I do, or I didn't forget, something that I do is I just email people. And I don't know if anyone else does that. Like, you know, you live your own life, and so the things you do seem normal. But, like, when I was in uh, sophomore year of college, I emailed the most or one of the most famous artists I've, I've ever known uh, to live in Mississippi. I was just like, hey, can I come visit your studio? Or when I went to New York, I just emailed Donato. I called Donato on the phone and was like, hey, it's Christmas. Can I come visit your studio? <laughs> it typically works. Christmas. And uh, I have carried that on. Like, if I want to work for someone, I actually just email them and say, Hey, do you want to work together? I mean, I do it a little more eloquently, and then I toss them my website. I don't think it, very few people find my website um, on their own. Right. I wonder if there's like uh, fantasy art listings. That'd be interesting. Just a um, database of websites of illustrators. Yeah, I'm working on a, that. If you got an art pact, they have a long list of companies. Gosh, can't wait to finish this website I'm working on. The uh, fantasy companies would be good to do. Usually if you're in the thick, like, I don't know, what uh, what lawyer firms do you apply to around the country? Like, we don't know, but if you're a lawyer, you probably know. If you're a fantasy artist working in the industry, you probably have enough. Your interest that got you there in the first place, go pimp yourself out to those companies. So you just cold emailing people saying, hey, I want to work with you. So Men's Health, months ago, did this thing. They contacted uh, some of the like youngest or best or whatever business people to get hired that year. or so most successful by like money, I think. I, I don't really remember. They were just asking how they got into the positions of those jobs. And one of them, the most successful, who had, who had this amazing resume said uh, he would look up a company. Like, let's say he wanted to work for Amazon. So he would look up a company on LinkedIn. He's got the LinkedIn uh, upgraded version. And he would go, he would basically stalk them. He would start at the very top. And he didn't email. He would call people. He just So he would start with the CEO. He'd call them and email them. And be like, can I work there? Here's my resume. And if that didn't work, if they didn't respond, he would go down the just kept going down the ladder until he had literally emailed everyone into in the company that could get him a job. This guy's crazy. And that was crazy, but apparently it worked. And I'm like, you know, I can see how that works. Just email everyone. Yeah, it's very, very targeted cold calling. Like, figure out what you like, figure out what you're good at, and then call those people. Be like, this is what I can do. So how's you that? You said it yourself. You make websites. And then I tell people, 
look what I made. That's a cold call. Yeah, that is. I I totally agree with that. That's how I got this job. In fact, from my website work, I my boss has asked me to do a website for her husband's small business. Huh. You need to start a website that's just links to other people's websites, like your marketing portfolio. Yeah, I'm I'm working on that page. I'm working on a lot, you know? Uh, so how much work do you get back from these emails? Um, I very, I am good about knowing who I am and what level I am. Uh, sometimes I make the attempt to email wizards or penguin or Tor. Tor doesn't really have an email, but I send them, uh, like little letters. <laughs> I write them eloquent hand calligraphy letters. Of it, are they no. angry? Yeah, very angry. They, they are beautiful, beautiful script. Do you have a physical I, address for Tor Books? Tor Books. You can go to the website, Irene Gallo, look it up. Um, oh, you wanted me to tell people to, no, to I just send mean, them handwritten letters. Yeah, I have, have an address. Have, yeah. Have, yeah. Have you just been sending print portfolios to them? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they still do it the old-fashioned way, which is where you had a portfolio and you, you printed it and you sent it okay. out. Yeah, oh, yeah. and like put in a little cover letter and things. Just uh, yeah, just, I have this old like '80s book that tell you how to get galleries and uh, com commission jobs, and that's how they tell you to do it. So I still go by it. It looks very good. Anyway, um, but it's totally useless in our world. Gurney said that's how it uh, got him all his jobs at first. <laughs> it's possible. Also, like check into things that aren't on the internet. Like don't look at wizards and stuff. Like go find. There are like 3,000 different third-party publishers in the Pathfinder world, which is a tabletop role-playing game. And each one of them has at least published one book, probably. I mean, that's a long list of people to email. Yeah. You can... Work is not... Oh, I almost made a terrible analogy. It's not... Um, you got it. You can do it. Work is like sex. It's not hard to have, but it can be very difficult to find. Or sorry, it's not fine. It's not hard to find <laughs> work is like sex. It's not hard to find people to pitch it to, but unless you know what you're doing, it's hard to find people that bite. You, uh, I think you got it. I, there's a really terrible way of putting that. So you I think it's like dating. I think it's work yeah. is like dating might be better. No, so you know, I'm very good about knowing like what my level is. Sometimes I email wizards and tour, but a lot of times I'm figuring out like. Kickstarter is a good place. That's how I got Cobalt Press. I saw like, man, these people just came out with you know three hundred monsters. That's crazy. I don't know any illustrators working on this, so maybe they need illustrators. So I emailed them. Worst case scenario is they say no, and somebody looks at your portfolio. So you were trolling Kickstarter for work? No, I was just I did. I was just seeing what comes up. On oh, Facebook. Facebook. Well, yeah. that that seems like a new idea then to start looking at. These publishers that are kickstarting stuff? Yeah, that's a good way to do it because they're not current. Like, yeah, they're telling you their plan. <laughs> right? Has no one thought of that? It's really easy to cater. So if someone's doing like a whole book of uh, something that might need portraits, then you just can send them your portrait portfolio. Everyone's or if somebody's doing a game, 
if everyone's doing a game or go to Patreon, see if anyone's doing podcast. Like there's all sorts of podcasts that need graphics made. If you're a graphic designer, there's, a, you know, I talked about applying to local vineyards. Do you know how many vineyards there are? And they're probably just doing some from some cut and paste. Like, like imagine you're a small town brewer or vineyard and you get an email from someone. It's like, I will handcraft you unique and personal art for your, your company. That would be like insane. No, so you're talking about cold calls. Um, I, my good friend Caleb, he's he works at a brewery. He said someone in his company was an illustrator. He was also working part time at the brewery, just doing labor work, and he started doing labels, painting them, and giving them to his boss, and saying, you know, I think y'all should start using these. And he kept doing it and kept doing it, and eventually they said, hey, you know, we're gonna hire you full time to be our graphic artist and you're going to do all of our label work i so that's yeah that's the way to do it even if like if you have if the best way to do this would be to do work people this um a lot of game companies will ask you blizzard's really bad about it to say like do art that that is for world of warcraft and then send it to us like that's a crappy way to tell people to apply but it's a really good way to get a job like if you want to work for like movie movie posters do that movie poster and send it to people right but it also goes into all levels all, of illustration if you want to work for your local brewery or just just get one contract job from them send them some sample labels that you made definitely send it's not hard to create a label if you take one you know what is one day take a day do something, sketch it up, and be like, this is what I'm thinking about. Let me know. Well, it, was, it wasn't something that I had considered um, previously because you think my portfolio, oh, i got to have all my illustrations in it, but I hadn't put one and one together and said maybe I should do some maybe branded targeted stuff and include that. I, yeah, target, target targeted <clears throat> brand stuff. Uh, I was talking last night, so Pathfinder, the role-playing game, is coming out with their second edition, and, and they came out and said, uh, you know, Wayne, you don't know who Wayne Reynolds is. Wayne Reynolds is an illustrator, and um, he, uh, you'll see him at Gen Con. And he does all the work for Pathfinder, and they came out and said, we've paid more for the sketches that he gave us this time than we paid him the entirety of the first time we launched this thing. <laughs> and... Uh, I think what Wayne Reynolds, Wayne Reynolds did is he is a big nerd. He likes games like that. I think he caught on to Pathfinder whenever they were just a small company. I know that he did, or somebody knew him. There's no way he was getting paid good money for that. And I think he was like, I'm going to stick this out. I think he sat there. <laughs> I think he knew this. I think he planned this shit. And he said, I believe in this. So he, or I believe this is going to be big. So he painted for them. He did a lot of work for them. And now they grew, right? Their brand grew. Their game grew. There's so more people play that than probably play D&D now. And now when they want work from him, like their brand is synonymous with Wayne Reynolds art. So he can probably, it's probably just him looking at them and being like, it's not 300 anymore. It's 30,000. Because if yeah. you don't want your brand to die, then you're going to need my art. Right? He's got a stranglehold on him. It's a good place to be in. Yeah, because if Hershey's doesn't have the Hershey's logo on it, you don't know what you're eating. It'll be 
it's tough now because the market is so saturated with all of these publishers. Yeah, to grab onto somebody you believe. Grab a sweet spot like that. But there's all the startups. I mean, life is about investment. And even if something fails out, then, uh, you know, you're young. Hopefully you're young or you're starting out or you're not doing painting full time anyway. So um, <laughs> take, take what you learned, take the work that you did, put it towards something else. What else can we put it towards? I don't know. If Wayne Reynolds, if Pathfinder dumped Wayne Reynolds, he still has like 60 fantasy paintings. <laughs> right? <laughs> Who's not going to hire him? I don't know. We should make better art for our podcast. No, I mean, it's hanging out like in a man cave or a dungeon or. Uh, yeah, wherever. it should always be kind of like we just threw it together. Wherever the Dean and Edwin would hang out. We're going to jump on Divinity one day. If you, yeah, if anyone out there hasn't played Divinity, check that out. What's that about? The, uh, you know, this entire show is unsolicited advice, but Jake and Amir have been doing unsolicited advice. I want to do that. Do you have any, like, non-art, any, like, it can be anything about life. I want this to be, like, a new segment we do at the end of the show here. Oh, gosh. Us. Okay. Me, what's your unsolicited advice? My unsolicited advice for the day? Yeah, I liked it. I liked the idea. Not the day, the week, you know? Oh, I guess I guess it is the week. What's something you've been doing, something that you're into, something that's made your life better and you want to tell other people about? Um, my unsolicited advice is to create a visual schedule for yourself, like maybe an Excel spreadsheet or something. And it doesn't have to be like daily activities, but maybe monthly or weekly, just like get your shit in order. It really has smoothed out my entire life. Really? Do you have like a to-do list or is it a schedule or? Not really a to-do. It started at work because they're really um, anal about having all this stuff mapped out where they can access it and look at what I'm doing when. And that kind of encouraged me to do it for myself. And huh. Has it helped? It's like, what yeah. does it say? 6.30 gym. Seven breakfast. Yeah, I've got a loose day schedule. Oh, wake up. Just of like the spark notes or Yeah, and then monthly big projects like the portrait I'm working on and then kind of divvy up personal projects. So then I know like I'm gonna work on this then and for this long and Kelsey can study and Do you hit the marks? Like if you have yourself down for something at nine, do you stop everything and go do that thing at nine? No, I mean there have been nights where We've totally skipped out on it, and um, but you feel it. You feel maybe that. watched a movie, but I feel it, and you know I, I hold myself accountable. Like that's mm. time that I missed, and now I have a way to see that. Oh yeah, this is actually time that I could be doing this actual project. Yeah, yeah, I need to do that. Okay, it's a way of holding yourself accountable, and that's that's my 2018 philosophy is. Hold uh, yourself accountable. Hold yourself accountable for your actions. Be responsible. This is always that's easy for you to say. You've always been responsible. Relatively. There's something, there's something like you. Yeah, I knew an unresponsible bear at times. I've been there, but uh, I think a part of it came with your swimming, though. Like you have the benefit of of having been responsible your whole life because you have to be at practice. Yeah. The rest of us just fucking artists. Force your child into a sport. 
preferably swimming. That's that's my second. I went over my limit. I'm sorry. I'm gonna yeah. My unsolicited advice is <laughs> don't force your child into a sport, especially swim. <laughs> uh, instead, maybe you know, get them into painting really early. <laughs> I don't know. There's benefits to everything. What's your unsolicited advice? Um, I don't know. What's made my life better? Take a trip around the Olympic Peninsula, but like, I don't know if it made my life better. Yeah, do big, do big things. Wait. Like, also watch the Netflix show Love. But anyway, do big things. Um, because I don't know. It makes the it makes the regular days slower. Define big things. What are big things? Whatever that thing is that you always said you would do because it's right around the corner, go do it. Because, like, I don't care what you're doing right now. Just go do it. Because once you do it, like, if you, like if you always want to go to the beach because the beach is, like, five hours away and it would just take a day, go do it. And then you know, when you come back, you're going to be like, I had such a great time doing that thing that... My days seem a little slower, but a little less hectic. <laughs> That's a good one, because I had been eyeing this Chinese restaurant in Nashville for a long time, and then we finally made reservations on a whim, and it was awesome. Yeah. Totally worth it. I, I, feel, like, I feel like a lot of anxiety and stress during the day and, and clutter comes from, comes from, I don't know, un unresolved desires like you're always thinking what is that thing i'm missing while i'm doing this but that's what i used to say that about the gym and i still do like if you go conquer something at the beginning of your day you feel like i did something nothing feels better than doing something good whether it's going <laughs> to the gym helping somebody or it doesn't even have to be abstract good like do something awesome go go to the beach go to the chinese restaurant because once you nothing actually makes you sit down and work rather than screw reward after the fact get your reward first and then come back and paint well i think that, that comes back to um depression and suffering those experiences will help you make better art but if you're depressed and suffering you're not going to be able to you can barely be able to make art. That's true. You're going to have to pull yourself out of that and do those big things and uh, get all of the happy and sad. I think, yeah, that's... And I'm also learning that a lot from uh, from Hemingway. Hemingway fully believed in doing great things and doing what you wanted, kind of. I mean, he believed in work, but he also... You know, we it's weird. Hemingway in his books talks about working really diligently. Uh, he also only wrote, like, six novels. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he was working journalism and stuff. Yes, uh, and he wrote a ton of short stories. And a ton of short stories. But, like, he, compared to Stephen King or John Grisham, right. he he's left in the dust. And yet he only wrote fucking classic, amazing books. And it's because he was, he knew himself so well. He was out there doing that amazing, crazy stuff. He figured it out. He had the war experience, and he had everything that came after that, which might have well been, might as well have been another war in its own. 
Alexander the Great could have written ten times a better play than Shakespeare. I hold to that. He was too busy conquering the world. But he could have written, if he were interested, could have written any everything better than Shakespeare. Oh, yeah. I'm not a bit, I'll say it. I'll say it on the air. I'm not a Shakespeare fan. I don't enjoy Shakespeare work. Yeah, I hope you're not. It's 2018, man. I That's did. Bad. We do go to Shakespeare in the park every now and then, and it's you fun. Should. It's they fun. put a little twist on it. I said it earlier. I earlier today, actually. I Shakespeare's stories are nothing that are actually phenomenal to today's generation, but uh, the, like the way he he puts things together with language is something we can all learn. It's like you know, Michelangelo wasn't actually that good of a painter, but uh, we should all look at the Sistine Chapel and learn something. Well, yeah, it's what they did with the language that was so impressive. Mm -hmm. People today, you know, we always look back at things like uh, Bouguereau or Van Dyke and think like, wow, uh, art back then was so realistic. How come people aren't making art like that today? You know, they are. <laughs> They're making art that's 10 billion trillion <laughs> more times realistic than that today. Yes. are not looking for it. Because you're looking at Bouguereau. Yeah, you know, people are making photographic real art today. <laughs> it's it's a, such a strange point where we, we can't think of painting as figure painting, which is what, you know, at the time of Bouguereau, that's all there was. There's figure painting, there's architecture, there was landscape painting, all that. But then you start to get into the abstraction and the abstract ex expressionist and before them the impressionist and it came down to what they were doing with the language advancing it and yeah today people are painting hyper realistically and we have photographs but at the end of the day it comes down to are you taking the next step to push it forward just paint what you want so yeah she wasn't trying to push anything forward you know i think we view art artists view art in terms of history are you taking the next steps to push things forward? Don't ask that. That's a really dangerous question. That's a great it question. Puts you on a pedestal that you don't deserve. You shouldn't be out there trying to create the next great thing. You are the next great thing. Thing, exactly. no matter what, your compiled experiences are incredible. You you know more than Michelangelo could have known in his entire lifetime right now. Yeah, he didn't know anything. He just knew about egg tempura. When you hear people, when you hear truly great people, they never say, well, I was just looking for the next great thing. They, they say, I knew that I was going to be great. Like, they never doubted it. It's like, what I'm doing matters. Yeah, I either find that they fall into that category or the other category where they just say, I was doing what... I thought was right or just what I wanted to do. Right. Yeah. Not everyone's aware that they're going to be or are great, but, but I think that, you know, you do the things that whatever mindset helps you. Uh, Kanye West once said <laughs> the great poet Kanye West once said that my only regret is I'll never get to see myself perform live. <laughs> I don't That's know. Really good mentality to have. <laughs> this is not a bigger ego you yeah ego is really good for creation though it means you're not scared to try things i think so i can't i'm still trying to translate my competitive athlete ego to my 
artistic ego and it's not working out. I don't know if you have to. I think it's the same thing. I think ego is competitive. I've always felt very competitive about my art. It's uh, it's weird for me. It's like two different masks. Just from the time that I had to spend on the full deck. and Yeah, I get it. I'm trying to channel that energy and that ego. It's a different setting. I gotta make a schedule. Everybody needs to make a schedule. There's spreadsheets online, free templates. You can map out. I have Excel. What do you think I am? Some sort of monger? The whole year. If you can't afford Microsoft Really Office, outdated Excel. Use OpenOffice. Like, I actually have to use a typewriter. They sell graph paper. I guess you could, like, kind of make a spreadsheet with a typewriter. Graphic designers listen to this and laugh. I'm hungry. I gotta go. What are you gonna have? Tell everyone. I made some spaghetti with red lentils because I'm watching the carbs. Red lentil pasta. There you have it. Red lentil pasta, folks. Red lentil pasta with uh, spaghetti sauce and meat. Delicious. It's actually really ridiculously good. The red lentil, like the lentil, the sauce, like the lentils are thick. So it actually makes the spaghetti more thick than like slobbery. It's very nice. Slobbery. Yeah, spaghetti. That's not like I hate. I almost like I love the taste of spaghetti, but I, I have problems with like the texture of it. It's just not. It's just so wet and wild. It's (laughs) if spaghetti is a girls gone wild video, then this is like a this is Mad Men. Welcome to the wet and wild episode. If you like what you heard today, if you have any comments, critiques, questions, if you want to be on our show, if you want us to talk about something other than wet and wild spaghetti, you can find us at hangingoutpodcast at gmail.com. Join the conversation on Facebook, Hanging Out Podcast. Join our group. We have a Patreon. If you pitch in even a dollar or not, we would really appreciate it. We had to take care of these SoundCloud fees. Or Bear's, uh, Bear's going to start drinking again. And you don't want that. We'll see you next week. Thanks for hanging out.